everyone. Welcome to the Photography Farm podcast. This is a different voice than you may used to be hearing. I am not Lisa Devlin. I am Kat Williams from Rock and Roll Bride. And I have been given the intense honour of being asked to interview our founder, our matriarch, the head of this amazing organisation, Lisa Devlin. Lisa, hi, how are you? I'm very good. I feel with that introduction, I should have some some smoke going off and maybe some some flashing lights. And that was good. Confetti, you, co- confetti cannons. Yes, you should do this for a living. I should. Uh, um, <laughs> so it actually came up in the photography farmers group, didn't it? That someone said they wanted to hear your story. Yeah, just one person. <laughs> one person, and we were like, "That's a great idea. Let's pretend that everyone's asked for that, and we're going to make it happen." Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So um, it was weird. I just said, do I interview myself? Do I podcast myself? Like if I'm a speaker, so it's the first time I put myself on as a speaker. So it's a little bit strange. And yes, it was the lovely Chris Scott, I believe, who came up with the concept of you being the interviewer and me. Well, I do know you very well. Yes. So I know you very well, but I've only known you maybe, God... 10 years, eight years? I think it must be 10 years because it was 2012 when we went to Vegas and we must have known each other for a little while before that. You definitely knew me when I worked at Bid TV mm-hmm. because you used to text me while I was producing Peter Simon and ask for shout outs. Yes. <laughs> so it must have been like 2009, 2010 that we met. Well, I think about all the time that I spent watching Bid TV, which is a shopping TV channel that um, if you imagine uh, QVC, but hosted in Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> QVC, it, but way less professional. It was, it was definitely um, a little bit rough around the edges. And uh, the amount of hours that I actually watched it because I would watch the show that you were producing. I mean, this was the days before Netflix. I will say. <laughs> so I'd go to you know I'm, I'm a devil for getting into bed and just watching like an hour of shit on the telly um, yeah. chill out and uh, yeah it was suitably shit and uh, I used to yeah, <laughs> message you when something funny happened or yeah just for lols I know and, uh, so I, well I never bought anything oh, I'm offended I was tempted not, a few even, times. not, not even the Egyptian cotton towels they were great Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I can't remember what else I was, you know, I mean, I, I am strangely fascinated by shopping TV, though, like, yeah, the, the psyche, the kind of mentality, and the sheer dogged determination of the presenters to sell any old shit. Oh, um, my God, it's, it's really skill. admirable. It is. I feel like, I know this interview is not about me, but I feel like (laughs) that's really helped me. The fact that I did that job, it's really helped me when it's come to like selling something I actually care about in my own business. Like I learned a lot from that. Yes. Well, I was talking to um, Rebecca Carpenter about this because um, I think she's great at selling stuff and we're doing um, a shoot day together in May and um yeah we were talking about this at your show actually and um saying she was like well I've got a sales background in it (laughs) yeah well she Um, also used to work at bid tv so you know that's where all the good all the greats come from yeah this is the point where I'd be holding alive like holding up a little baby cub now and singing Akuna Matata (laughs) (laughs) just by just by full circle yeah I know it's funny so before we met, before Bid TV era, mm-hmm. what, 
what so I know that you started in photography and music but before that like what did you do did you go to university what did you do at school like what was your job before like, let's start with school what did you do at school okay so uh yeah I suppose I was one of the arty kids like I hid mm -hmm. in the art room most of the time um and I didn't know like exactly what I wanted to do um, I, it, honestly, photography did not occur to me any of the way through school or anything. Mm -hmm. But we did, we had a dark room at school and I, I did used to like going in there, but I was sort of heading towards more like design. So maybe textile design or fashion, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I left high school and went to, that's why I moved to Brighton. I came over to Brighton to go to the art college. And when you go to art college, you have, they can't just let you go to art college. You have to do a foundation year just to figure out yeah. which particular genre or um, stream you're going to specialize in. And it's probably a really good idea, but I have to say, having done mine, I was much more confused by the end of it than I was when I first <laughs> went in. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, I found it really challenging. I think because I was really young um, and it was a big deal to move completely away from home. And this was the day. Were you like 18? Yeah, 18, yeah, and this was like way before EasyJet and all the kind of really cheap <laughs> travel. So, you know, so I was thinking about this the other day, you know, looking at the way things are going now, but like travel was really expensive. And so when you moved away, like you really did move away. There was no popping home for a weekend. Right. Yeah. So I think I was incredibly homesick and I found it really difficult first i found it really difficult to make friends because i had the broadest northern irish accent imagine nadine coyle but talking like you know as fast as jasmine star <laughs> <laughs> um and nobody understood bloody word i said when i first moved over so i kind of had that disability <laughs> <laughs> and then um i did find it all incredibly a big culture shock to me you know i grew up i thought i was quite um savvy and I think I moved to Brighton and realized I knew nothing about anything mm. um, so yeah at the end of my first year I was pretty confused and I still wasn't in any way thinking of photography I was still thinking fashion and I applied to get into the fashion degree at Brighton um, and and I didn't get it I didn't get my place <gasps> I know my Rude. first taste of failure <laughs> I, honestly I'd done really well in all my exams I passed my driving test on the first go um I was you know a good kid at school I really never had any fa failures oh my god rejection can suck especially when you're that young exactly and, um, and it was so unexpected because I'd built up a really good relationship with the department like I'd been going up quite a lot and got really well with them I was really strategic when I went into my interview, I thought, you know, you have to have a really big interview and it's really nerve-wracking. But I thought I aced it. And, uh, and I was really, really shocked when I got a letter saying that I hadn't been accepted. And so suddenly, I was sitting in Brighton, um, you know, renting, uh, sharing with a girl, um, and I had no reason to be there anymore. And I had no, like, vision of ever going back to Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, and I, I do remember like just sitting first of all having to get over the shock and then thinking well what the hell am I going to do now right um, you know it was weird it was really weird um, so, so how did you move from there to photography then well or was there another bit in between 
sort of, we sort of, a couple of things came into place. I always remember, so you've just got back from LA and spent a lot of time with Gala, but I always remember Gala saying to me, you know, you never, never say that you were lucky. Like it's not luck because you will set things in place. So I, mm. I do think there was a couple of lucky things that happened, but now I think about it. Yes, I did orchestrate them and I did have to put myself out there a little bit. So one thing that I did yeah. when I realized that I had no reason to be there anymore and I had no connection to the art college anymore um, was I signed up for photography night classes. Mm-hmm. And so this was just really to keep access to the dark room. Um, so all the way through my foundation, like I had been doing photographs, but t- this is really bad, but I just never thought I would get the technical side of photography. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel competent in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's actually was- the thing that put me off it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I just thought I, I did photography as an A-level mm-hmm. and yeah, I just couldn't get it. I was yeah. like, I can get the eye, but like the ISO and I'm like, I just can't. It's the numbers. (laughs) And it was all film back then, I guess. The numbers. And I think the way that photography has been structured, you know, it's a very male, I mean, this is really bad, isn't it? But, you know, men did set these things up. And so. That's why it's so complicated. It's it's overly complicated. (laughs) I think personally, if women started all of these systems and women started cameras, it would just be like F-stops just go up one, two, three, four, five. I mean, why the hell is it? 5.6 5.6 why is it I know. why is it it would just make sense <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me and I'm yeah. sure there's a, a good reason I still don't know because I still don't care um <laughs> right <laughs> and you know so f-stops go up shutter speeds go down like as you said isos what's that so I was always I always had cameras I was always taking photos um, but I never thought I'd be a photographer because I just had no mm. grasp of the technical side and no interest in it either. Yeah. So I was doing it in night class and I was looking at other careers around fashion. And then this was sort of my summer after getting that letter. And at the end of the summer, when everybody started their degrees, so everybody else that I was on foundation with had started to do their degrees. Um, the first so you're like day, 19 at this, 19 yeah, at this point? Yeah, I was 19 yeah. for the first day, just a few years ago. Um, <laughs> on the first day of term, I got a phone call from the fashion department saying, we have a place for you um, because you were the top of the list and they always have people pull out. And she said, I knew mm-hmm. that we would get you in. But she never said that to me. Wow, rude. I know. Oh, um, ruining uh, your summer. I know. So it's weird to think <laughs> that exactly that it could have been, I could have gone back to Ireland. I could have completely left the arts altogether. Um, and I could have just ended my career with anything creative then. But actually, mm. it was kind of the making of me because mm-hmm. I had to, at that point, become really self-motivated and self-sufficient. And... Um, you know, really that at that point where things had been, I felt they'd been really planned. They suddenly were, it was a completely and utter blank page and I could do anything. And, you know, I talk about this, I've just done a presentation in Poland where I talk about the blank page. And blank pages in creative industry can be the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. It can also be the most exciting thing in the world. And once you get over the fear, they are incredibly exciting. And I do remember sitting there thinking, I could actually be anything I want now. Um, yeah. And I thought I would probably do like a year off and just try a lot of different things, do my own version of a foundation year. Um, Mm. And so one of the things that I tried pretty quickly, because I thought 
okay, what what's out there? So first of all, the, the, the guy who was doing the night classes was a really nice guy. He was a working photographer in Brighton. And pretty early on, he said, he pulled me aside and said, look, you, you've got the eye for photography. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> See, I said, oh, well, I really enjoy it, but I don't like the technical side of it. I'm not interested in it. And he was like, look, you can learn the technical side. You could never learn the eye. And he was like, yeah. you could be a professional photographer. He said, you could really easily be a professional photographer. And I was like, really? Uh, but I still kind of wasn't convinced. So I looked mm. at peripheral industries to do with fashion that maybe tied in photography a bit more. And I, I sat down with myself and I thought, what, why am I so drawn to fashion? What is it that I am really connected with? And, you know, for me, I grew up in Northern Ireland. It was a pretty, um, you know, challenging existence um, mm-hmm. in many, many ways. And my forms of escapism were listening to music and getting magazines. So the mm. Face magazine, absolutely obsessed with the Face magazine. Um, ID magazine, Vogue, L, and looking at the fashion shoots. Um, and I would make my own version of like, this was before we used computers. This was about a million years ago. But I would make my own version of what I think is Pinterest now. And uh, I would take Amazing. out like tear sheets and I would have these like folders full of images that I loved and was just look at again and again and again that's so um, cool you know I just got back from visiting my graphic designer in Palm Springs and she mm-hmm. still does that amazing we were like going through ideas for this project we're working on and mm-hmm. she literally has folders and folders of pages t- torn from magazines it's not yeah. the same as being online like it's even today it's not the same yeah yeah I mean it's uh, to me that was utter magic like all of these photographers, so, you know, the people who were in the face, especially, so, you know, Corin Day and um, uh, uh, Jorgen Teller and, you know, these London-based photographers who were really fresh and do something incredibly exciting and different. So at this point where I was sitting with my kind of blank page, I was like, how do I get a sort of slice of that action? without mm-hmm. being a photographer without being a fashion designer and I figured out like that there was a thing called fashion styling so there were stylists mm-hmm. who would pull together the looks in the magazines and uh, I thought well I'll have a, a try at maybe that maybe that's what I should be because I don't think I'm good enough to design clothes and I don't think I'm good enough to be the photographer um, so I just you know what I did I mean it took it took balls and I say that I did this but I did take me sitting there and hyping myself up to do this, but I phoned stylists who were in the magazine all the time in the face. Mm, Wow. And uh, I set up saying I just wanted to do work experience. And the first two that I called um, were like, come and have a cup of tea. Let's meet up with, you know, love to meet you and have a chat. Um, So yeah, it was just really, really nice. One was a woman called Venetia Scott. Okay, so the other one was um, a woman called Camilla Nickerson. And Uh she said, actually, I've got a shoot next Friday that is just me and a bunch of friends in a studio. um, And it's just kind of us shooting for ourselves. Um, Would you like to come along and and help out? And I was just like, yeah. Um, So I always remember this. It was Good Friday. And I turned up um, at the studio in East London. This was like when East London was shit and there was nothing around there but builders, cafes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I went up and it was this kind of old warehouse that had been... uh, changed into this beautiful daylight studio 
And yeah, so her friends turned out to be, the model was Kate Moss and the shoot was... Casual. Kate, I know. Who, this was like, what, well, Kate was 16? This was like, nobody knew who she was at the Mid-90s, time. Mid-90s, right? Uh, well, really early 90s, probably. Mm. Um, and she was modeling with her brother and the photographer was her boyfriend, who is Mario Sorrenti. Mm. Um, and, you know, her uh, friend of theirs was doing the hair and it was like, so I turn up and I mean, you've got to picture me because I turn up in like jeans, biker boots, uh, a bomber jacket and a curly perm thinking that I was Nena Cherry. So fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, that's all like really back in there, all that 90s stuff. But I turned up and it was like rack after rack after rack of these amazing clothes by Vivian Westwood and John Galliano. And, but the shoot, like at first I was just like, God, I'm so out of my depth. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, she was just like, you know, I was just kind of helping her with the clothes and stuff. And I just realized this is, I don't know about this stuff because she was put in like there'd be all these amazing amazing clothes but like, one of the pictures was just Kate Moss with a little strap of leather around her neck like a little leather kind of necklace that they made yeah and that was it like yeah. she was naked apart from that uh another shot was her pulling a coat along in a pair of little white baggy knickers <laughs> um, you know it I was like I don't get this and the stylist Camilla Nickerson herself was she was wearing um, a, like a silk blouse, like a pussycat bow, silk really formal blouse, um, maroon coloured jogging bottoms and um, a pair of like Adidas Gazelle trainers. I'd so, wear that I, now. Yeah. Sorry, was, 2020. Yeah, so, but at the time, nobody was wearing any of that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I remember like just thinking, I felt really out of my depth. And then when things kind of settled down, I started to watch what the photographer was doing more than anything. And I thought, God, he's not actually doing anything I don't understand. <laughs> right. Like, he was using daylight and just bouncing it around and shooting with available light. And um, I was like, I totally get what he's doing. Mm. Anyway, the shoot was published in the Face magazine. Did you get and credit? So a few months later, by the time it was published, everybody knew who Kate Moss was. Everybody was wearing a little leather necklace and gazelles. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. It was a proper epiphany for me because I was mm. just like, you know, if he could do that, like, why couldn't I? You don't have to know how all the lights work and you don't have to. That's what assistants with... are for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's about what you're actually doing is about light and it's like all that other stuff like the guy was right you can learn all of that stuff so and I thought, practice yeah yeah and just take shit loads of pictures and get your friends together okay maybe they had more fabulous friends than me but it was just taking pictures of friends um and and so I was like I do you know that was it for me so right I'll be a photographer and I thought I'd apply for a degree but the guy teaching that night class said honestly unless you want to teach photography don't just get your ass to London and start making contacts, start assisting, make a hell of a lot of cups of tea and just, you know, start getting your foot in the door. Yeah. Uh, and really in absolutely stellar piece of advice for me. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to me that, um, well, now it's funny that you thought being a stylist would be the quote unquote easy part of it. Because <laughs> now, like now we do all these shoots and you do shoots as well um, without me. 
the seeing what Alex or Erica or any of our stylists do is like fucking yeah. hell. Like I just, I just can't. Like I, I wouldn't put the things together they put together. Yeah. Like it's such an amazing skill, and it's not something you can teach really. It's just you've got it or you haven't. I think. Yeah, it's you know? a total yeah. instinctive, and it's a, and it's an utter love of fashion. And and it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I realised it wasn't the fashion that I loved. It was the imagery. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, and it, it was just about moods and vibes. It wasn't even about. I didn't even want to be a fashion photographer. It was yeah. um, music. You know, it was. I put those two things together because I thought, okay, if I'm going to be a photographer, what do I love most? Well, I really love music. Um, I'll try and be a music industry photographer. Mm-hmm. I thought if I fail but, at that, then I'll try and be something a bit more mundane. Yeah, like weddings. <laughs> Yeah, really. I, go, no, <laughs> I never, I never, ever thought I would be a wedding photographer. No. Never. I well, being okay. Great. Okay. So before we jump too far ahead, because I want to yeah. know now, like how you went from that to going down the music industry path, because that's obviously back then, I think, and now is a very mm-hmm. difficult industry to get into like with weddings for what some point of view it's like you start your business you market it on Facebook you hope someone books you but with yeah. uh, music or fashion you need to have the contacts I, I feel like it's a, a lot harder industry to get into even today so how did yeah. you start getting jobs like that how did you get your first paid gig like how did you photograph PJ and Duncan <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well you know the whole sort of luck thing really but like Gala says you know I did make it myself so I had one tenuous contact within the music industry so I knew I knew someone from Brighton who was getting into managing pop acts um, but he also worked at the BBC on music shows mm-hmm. and uh, I just got in touch with him and said um, I want to try and get some work experience with uh, music industry photographers. Do you know any or do you have any shoots? Um, and he had a pop act that he was developing and he got me up to London and I shot them for him as a favour. Yeah. And then kind of in return, he did set me up with going in for, he had um, an act who were signed and he set me up to go in to a shoot with them. And so the photographer... I chatted with, made contact with, um, got on really well with, and um, I said, could I, you know, do some work experience with you? And he was like, yeah, 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 sure, that would be great. Um, And also at the same time, because I was still wary about completely coming out of education, Mm. you know, I'd been so, um, like, just working towards it for such a long time, and although I was like, okay, you have to make contacts, I was still like, I think I, I want that safety net. I mean, I think how young I was, but I want that safety net for some education. So I found out about a thing the government were doing um, where you could do a course for a year that was incredibly vocational. And as long as you could prove that you were dedicated to this career, they would give you, they would pay you rent and give you money every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was quite, all done through the enterprise allowance, which is sadly, I don't think any, not around anymore, but it was great for me. So I did a year of working on the enterprise allowance and the course I did was at a place called, um, that it was in Pimlico called um, like Pimlico school of film and photography, I think it was. Mm. And basically you spent a year, um, with them helping you to create a portfolio and you did things like mock job interviews and stuff. And yeah, so I was paid, but you had to get somebody within the industry to sponsor you for this course 
um, for you to be able to get the grants. And so I asked this photographer, I contacted him again, said, would you be up for sponsoring me for this thing? And you don't have to pay any money. All they had to do was give you work. Um, and he said he, had he didn't have enough work to do it for me. But anyway, he had an agent who looked after five music industry photographers. And the agent ended up, the agent took me on, signed up, for me to do this course and for me to do a year's work experience and I went out and worked for all of them and so they were mm. all a little bit different one was more like rock music one was really cheesy pop music um one was um, somebody went on to become a really well-known Hollywood um you know actor kind of portrait photographer um and I just would go out every week and work for them and one of them in particular took me under his wing and I became his second photographer within about three months. So mm -hmm. at that time he had the um, contracts to be official photographer for people like PJ and Duncan and a few other bands. Um, and so jobs that were a bit beneath him, I would go and do. Like I remember <laughs> going to the Isle of Wight with PJ and Duncan on a ferry. <laughs> he was like, fuck the Isle of Wight, I'm sending Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> really good so I was in Barcelona with them I did you know behind scenes and videos and um and yeah so it sort of started like that so it was all contacts and all having done this one year course with these five photographers and I assisted for about two years mm -hmm. and then I got an agent uh so if I'd say an education I've done a degree a degree is three years so I, I was sort of a year ahead of everyone I already had yeah. loads of contacts <clears throat> So I already had loads of contacts, had an agent, um, and started to get my own work for record companies and magazines. Um, so yeah, that's, that's and, the story of how that happened. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't have got that without making those contacts and sort of going out there and like putting yourself out there and working for free and just wanting to like be in it. And I feel like these days, you know, probably know where I'm going to go with this. That's been <laughs> lost a little bit because there's a bit of a culture of, in the creative industry, there's a bit of a culture of, um, how do I say this without sounding like a wanker? A bit like, um, you know, I deserve to be paid. I need, I deserve this, 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 because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a creative. And while I do agree that people should be paid for their work, when you're just starting out, there is so much to be said for just getting that experience. And I know from our point of view, we've had people coming to us to shoot with us for the magazine and they expect to be paid. And I'm like, yeah. we don't know who you are. Yeah. Like, obviously, if you're great at what you do and it moves on to something else, yeah. But you yeah. can't get that experience when you're trying to also get paid. Do you know, do you, I don't want to sound mean because yeah. I do think people should be paid for what they do. But also, there's so much value to be learned and earned from just getting yourself out there, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know if it's, it's a cultural shift, but back then, um, you know, it was even you know the way it was supported by the government because actually i couldn't mm. have done that so maybe that's the economic economic factor might be true a really big thing here because i did have that privilege of being my rent being paid and getting like a basic wage while i i mm. was doing that um and that really massively helped me and and even things like they sent you to go and do a little um, accounting course and it was um, the Prince's Trust were involved in it as well. And they set me up with a business mentor who was a, you know, a man who was probably in his fifties, who'd been working a huge industry. Mm -hmm. And I met up with him once a month and had to show him 
business plans and you know if you were going to apply to a loan for a bank they took you oh, sorry if you were going to apply to a bank for a loan they took you through the process of how to do that and you know so it, i get it's what different. you're saying and, and i do get people who um I, this is my favorite line is where they say can i come and assist you and shoot i want to be a wedding photographer um you don't have to pay me i'll just take pictures of the the wedding and for my own portfolio and maybe if you like some um you could buy them off me <laughs> <laughs> oh my I've god that a few times and i kind of think i admire your entrepreneurship yes yeah I right that. um however um, no, it's a no. Uh, I think from my point of view, like when I was starting my business, I was also still working full time. So I was supporting myself with my job and then doing the creative bit that wasn't yeah. earning any money in my own time. And I yeah. think there was a little bit of that, like I'm a photographer, I'm an artist. This is my job, even though I have no money. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there is less graft from some people these days I don't know if it's millennials or, or whatever um, but yeah I mean I think your story is really inspiring and the fact that you were able to like you know work so hard from zero without like expecting a handout I suppose is what I'm trying to get at yeah yeah it was you know it was it was hard work but I mean I absolutely loved it I think this is the thing I, um, I remember years ago reading something in a magazine saying you know would you get up like before the sun rises in the morning would you work till three o'clock in the morning you know would you do all these things like to be a photographer and I remember like yeah 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 I would yeah. and it was you know when you worked in music it, a lot of times it was especially doing stills on videos you know I remember doing um we were in Barcelona with PJ and Duncan to do um, stills on the video and you know they just work you to death like you would literally mm. be there. call time would be maybe 5 a.m and you could possibly still be working at one o'clock in the morning mm. um, for the two or three days that a video was being made and then you know a music video is three minutes long it's just crazy <laughs> to see how much work would go into them um, yeah. and you know it was it was actually exhausting but I absolutely loved it I, you know I've got some great stories for down the pub Mm. <laughs> I did travel all over the world. I did get to photograph some incredible people and, and spend time with them, and you know, in ways that you never would in other yeah. you know forms. Like it was just yeah, being at dinner or having somebody like Robert Plant bake a cake for you. You know, stuff like this. Well, it's incredible. Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite person that you met and/or photographed? Was it the same person or different people? Uh, well, um, I would say I was second photographer for a guy who did big, huge rock acts. Like he was really well known. Um, and that was really big factor in me being able to get uh, an agent so early on because mm. I got to photograph people like worked with Simply Red a few times and um, I photographed Eric Clapton through him. Um, but I'd say my favourite, Eric Clapton was phenomenal, was just such a lovely human and so I imagine him being just like a lovely dad yeah yeah just <laughs> adopt me please <laughs> um he was lovely but I'd say my favorite has got to be Tina Turner oh I yeah I didn't photograph her I was just the assistant on that shoot but mm. um it was like royalty it was like she has this aura and it was like spending time with royalty um, she was doing the video for GoldenEye. Do you remember the Bond movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, she was making the video um, in the Bond studios. 
Um, it was it was phenomenal. It was incredible. Um, but she, yeah, she didn't like the way they'd done her hair, and she didn't want to upset anyone and let them know. And I was like, "You're Tina, You're Tina Turner." Turner. <laughs> like, I'd just snap your fingers and get them to redo yeah, right. your hair. You know, so oh humble, so That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, and I remember like the the first night we were there for two days, and the the first night I went home and watched um, the the Tina Turner story, the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this woman has amazing, amazing life and how incredible she is. And then I went back in the next morning and she was like, morning, Lisa. <laughs> Cash. She knows my name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she, like, that was definitely a really memorable, memorable experience. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Me, personally, I did a lot of cheesy pop acts. I did a lot of, mm. the, the, you know, the boy bands, the pop magazines. I did a lot for like 19 magazine do you remember that one yeah I do remember it yeah and I don't know if you're going to answer this question but was there, was there anyone that you didn't really like oh god I don't know what yeah <laughs> you don't have to answer it if you don't want to I'm just fucking nosy <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you the scariest person was yeah. um oh Jimmy Nail do you remember Jimmy Nail oh, when he- yes when he got into doing music and uh, he was just one scary human being. <laughs> yeah, he just like, I don't want to be next to you. I can't look him in the eye. Yeah, and I um, remember him coming in because I was the assistant again, working for the same guy. <clears throat> and he just burst in the door and threw some shirts at me and went, you iron them. And I was like, I can't <laughs> iron anything. And I was like, I don't want to iron his shirts. I was shitting myself. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, okay. So how did we go from music, living your dream to then making a huge shift into weddings? Was it because you got married and fell in love with love or was it something else? No, no, it it wasn't. It wasn't that. Um, I I was, I did music for over 10 years. Um, And at the beginning of my career, there was a lot of money in that industry and getting towards like, 10 years in digital music had started, dance music had become massive and there wasn't as much visual imagery being used. Remember dance music used to be white labels. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have any pictures. Um, it wasn't really like a pop star. It was just. A yeah. <laughs> so um, the amount of images that were needed declined and the amount of people going into the industry increased. So the amount of money, the amount of revenue that was potentially there was going down and also the amount of money in the whole industry was going down mm-hmm. uh, as digital downloading started. Uh, so uh, for about a year, I was starting to struggle with how I felt about being in that industry. I was starting to struggle to get paid. People would mm-hmm. expect me to do things for free. I worked with a well-known boy-girl pop combo. I was the official photographer for them for a few years. And uh, their particular relationships had gone really toxic. They did line Um, dancing, didn't they? Yes. (laughs) If anyone's wondering who it is. (laughs) And um, and it was was tough to spend time with them. Mm. And then um, I just started to think, I'm, I don't know if I love this anymore. I'd always loved it. And then I was due to shoot a campaign for them. So you, how you would kind of make money as their official photographer was there was no wage involved. But what I would do is I would shoot stuff and then be able to sell it. Um, they would approve right. what I could sell. 
And then when it came to doing like bigger campaigns, so if they had um, a new album or a tour to launch, you would be the person that got to shoot their calendars and the merch and that's what kind of money was. So I was, um, I quoted to do that and quoted a reasonable amount, like nothing crazy. And then, and they came back to me and said, oh, this other person's actually going to do it for free. Right. And I was just like, I'm not working for free. I'm not spending 10 years in this industry and then being the guy that works for free. I don't even like you. <laughs> and you're all <laughs> wankers. You're all dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was not as much fun and there was not as much money involved. And I was just like, mm. oh, I don't think I want to keep doing this. And it was so much travel involved and so much uncertainty. I wanted, you know, to get a mortgage and I wanted to start settling down a bit. And I started to realize that things I loved about it were starting to be the things that I was hating about it. Um, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an exit plan. I'm going to get out. But um, I didn't honestly know what I was going to do. Um, I really, really have a CV. Like, I never really had mm. a job. <clears throat> and then the girl who was my agent got married. And she asked me to be the wedding photographer. And I said, no, no fucking way. I was like, there's one thing for sure. <laughs> And I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny to think back on it now. So this was 2000. And um, like wedding photographers in 2000 were really traditional on the whole. Uh, they didn't do this kind of storytelling that we're all doing now. It was, you did really formal, just the formals. You just did really... Mm posed pictures of the bride and groom and family lineups and you know photographers probably only went along for an hour or two mm. um so I, you know that no way it didn't feel like a creative genre of photography um so i said to her no but i'll let i'll help you find a photographer um so she sent me a load of brochures from photographers in her area and they were so bad uh, I was like, all right, listen. And I think she probably did this deliberately, but uh, I, like, I can't let any of these people shoot your wedding. I will do it, but I will do it as if it's a magazine story. And um, yeah. you let me do my thing. And she was like, that's perfect. That's what I want. Um, so I turned up in the morning when she was getting ready. And uh, I think probably about 30 minutes in, I was like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it because... Yeah, that, those were always, well, I think those were always my favorite jobs, like magazine stories where you had to go in and tell a story with pictures. Mm. And of course, there's just so many storytelling elements to weddings. Um, and so first of all, I loved all of that. I loved seeing the process of her, this person that I was good friends with, and we'd worked together for 10, you know, good sort of, I think we'd worked together for about eight years. Um, but seeing her transform into a bride, you know, from an ordinary girl into a bride and, and how it all kind of comes together on the day and, and there's this bridal magic that you get. Like every girl gets it. I've never worked with someone who doesn't get this. You just get this like glow to you and it's so beautiful to see. And I've been working with these girls in the band who were treated like princesses every single day and they were like, monsters to be honest yeah. <laughs> um and then just being this scene this process of a, of a girl becoming a princess for the day 
Um, mm. That's probably not very politically correct to say, but you know, there is that element to weddings, the bride, you know. The well, just being that... special. It's not even about being a yeah. princess. It's about like being special. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being so extraordinary because you, even though, you know, you probably tried your dress on before and you tried your accessories on, but you haven't got the whole thing on at any point until that mm. day. Um, and then there's all the emotion and the excitement and just how that makes you feel and how it does have an effect on you visually, you know? Mm. Um, and for me, I was just like, I want to take pictures of this every week. This is such a beautiful thing to be witnessing and to be telling the story for them and to be able to reflect that back to them. Yeah. And everybody says weddings are a blur. And I could see that it was going by so quickly for her. And I was very conscious of giving her a really good record for her and trying to recreate those feelings that she would look at a picture and she would remember those feelings. Yeah. Um, so I was like, how could it be a wedding photographer? I only have to work <laughs> on a Saturday. I'm going to get paid. Easy. <laughs> it's going to be so easy. Two grand for one day's work. Easy. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so how did you go from then shooting your friend's wedding to shooting someone else's was it all word of mouth did she recommend you did you start advertising in the yellow pages what did you do yeah so initially I just said um to our friends I was like if you know anyone getting married I'm now a wedding photographer so that was me setting up in business <laughs> yeah um I did another couple so there was a couple of people that were friends of friends that uh, were getting married. So I did uh, one for a friend of a friend that was actually quite stressful. I suddenly realized that not all brides are really chilled out. Mm. Um, yeah, she, she was quite a highly strong bride. <laughs> but I survived that <laughs> one. Um, and yeah, I just put the word out there that that's what I was doing. And, and I did, yeah, we, you know, those days that was your marketing campaign. You took out an ad in yellow pages and yeah. I think I booked in to do a wedding fair. Um, oh. and that was it. I booked 25 weddings that first year and, uh, I've never not had weddings since. <laughs> yeah. And then you just slowly put your prices up as you got better and better. Yeah, so when I first did them for Friends of Friends, um, I was very open about the fact that I wasn't an established wedding photographer, but I said I have been a photographer for 10 years. And so each one that I did, I put my prices up a little bit more and a little bit more. And um, yeah, it was, there, was no, there was nobody to kind of look at, like as a benchmark. There was no business templates because there just wasn't a lot of other photographers around who were shooting more about the narrative than the formals um so yeah you know really just had to make it all up as I went along I was very lucky mm. that my agent was marrying a, a lovely man who was a website designer oh so okay very handy very handy so in exchange for shooting their wedding he did me a website um and mm. I remember that conversation and I was like do I need a website do people have websites <laughs> <laughs> what's it like I just like, put an advert <laughs> In the news agent on the window. Yes, <laughs> to stand outside my local registry office. With yeah, a with a sandwich board. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and would you say there has been any like spe specific pivotal moments in your career that have kind of escalated it? I know you won Wedding mm. Photographer of the Year from the National. What was it? The National Journal of Photography in like maybe two thousand twelve yeah. or something. Was it? 
Yeah, so I think I think it went into the magazine in 2011. So it was a British Journal of Photography, and yeah, I was I was thinking about that this week because um, magazine that I write for, professional photography magazine, asked um, me to find an image that I thought was a game changer for me. Mm. Um, and so I picked the image that I won the British Journal of Photography Wedding Photography Year thing with because that was such a door opener for me. Um, yeah. And it was funny to revisit the image because I'm still very proud of it, actually. It's still a good I image. Did you re-edit it when you re-uploaded it recently? I, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, I had shot weddings for, I don't know, 10 years on film. And then when digital, when I switched over to digital, I did go a little bit crazy with the, uh, it was Photoshop actions that we all uh, discovered so I uh, you know I love the irony of as soon as everybody went digital we all tried to make our images look vintage um, oh vintage so vintage. fucking yellow was so <laughs> everything yellow. was yellow it was so I was like it was cold play it was all yellow <laughs> oh my god yes um it's funny it's funny to think you know like I know I'm really glad that actually because we got married in 2008 I'm really glad glad we booked a photographer that shot on film because mm -hmm. there was none of that it was just out of the camera I suppose maybe you know light tweaks but yeah I mean I've always been up. conscious I have to say though that that fashions will come and go I would say the style of photography that I've done has always been consistently storytelling but mm -hmm. the fashions are yeah the finishing touches but I've always given clients like I always think you need to have a digital negative as well so yeah. even when I was doing those photoshop actions back then I was actually giving the client also a gallery that was completely clean yeah um, like a basic just being edit. conscious of that so I don't you know I don't think people are looking back on their photos now and just being like what the hell is this why is it so yellow um, yeah hopefully not and we all you know when new things come in everybody gets really super carried away and then we all calm down yeah, I feel like you are one of the people I know the most that is very adaptable mm. to trends and like you stay on ahead of things and on top of things. You're not getting stuck in your ways. Like you're very good at, yeah, staying ahead of the curve, I suppose. Do you think that's one of your secrets to success? Oh, well, good question. <laughs> um, it's something that I like. I like to look at so I like to be able to kind of predict where things are going to go and um keep pushing yourself I, yeah one thing I consciously did the whole way through being a wedding photographer was I have never defined myself um mm. I think if you say I am xyz photographer I am a particular you know style of photographer I think every single one of these will go out of fashion and so you, know, you will be associated with that and so I think even when I was doing that whole vintage thing I can never call myself vintage wedding photographer other people might put like perceptions onto you or they might call you something and our clients just will connect with something in your work and think you're that kind of photographer but I deliberately never did it myself mm. um, so that's interesting because I would say a lot of people would say that the a secret to success in such an oversaturated market is to niche yourself down and be very specific about who you're marketing to, but you don't really do that. Yeah, do you think I, you do? I think it depends if you're in it for the short term or the long term. So 
a lot of people will come into wedding photography for the short term and there's nothing wrong with that like, that's absolutely mm. fine i think the average lifespan that i've seen is probably about five years mm. um so i think if you've got a view to be in it for three to five years then by all means you know do like utterly define what it is that you are attached to and that you are specializing in mm. um but i was in it for the long haul and i always was and i think maybe haven't been in music for the long haul I, I was aware that I came out of music because I fell out of love with it and mm -hmm. I just didn't want to fall out of love with weddings. So anytime I kind of felt that in any way, a little inkling, then I will do something to make myself fall back in love with it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I, I just, I think you can be niche without having to be really self-defining. Um, you know, I'm certainly an alternative kind of wedding photographer. I, I think that, if anything, um, I've never written it on my website or done. But, you know, when I think about hashtags to use, that's one I'll use. Um, yeah. You know, because I just, for me, I just want to work with clients that are quite creative. So there's a lot of variety in the wedding. And really, I just, what I really care about is that they're excited about photography, that they are going to be looking forward to getting their photos that they're going to participate emotionally on the day in the process of having them done um, and that there's an energy from them and that's something that sustains me mm. so what would you say is the hardest part of your job oh god you get really <laughs> question you need your own Am I? <laughs> <laughs> um so the tough, I mean, I would say right now, it's the constant marketing. Mm. Because I've seen the industry change so much. Like literally, you had to do hardly anything. You really didn't have to have much of a brand. You just had to be good at it and available and affordable. Yeah. Um, and then now we're at a very different place. So I always think that we have switched like back then for me the first part of my career was definitely I was dealing with a seller's market and it was easy like people had this sense that they had to book a photographer as quickly as possible because the good ones would get snapped up yeah it's not like that now we are all competing there are so many of us um we're all competing for the same jobs and so to do that it's flipped to being the buyer's market and we do all have to market ourselves really intensely i think of it like this like if you were gonna if you were selling your house right and you were in one of those streets where there's like 80 houses for sale in your street you would have to be the guy that you know your house looks like a show home that you have the fresh smell of coffee and the fresh flowers and you know you're they've got the like vanilla bean in the oven you know you have to sell your house um, but if you're the one house for sale in the whole street and people, you know, want to buy it, you don't even have to tidy up. <laughs> people right. will buy your house. Yeah. Um, and that, I feel like that's where we're at right now. Like we're the guy you're having to do all of the flips and the tricks and, and market hard to, to get clients. So for me, I just find that having to do that kind of constantly, yeah. sometimes yeah. detracts from just getting on with doing your job. Um, and also, it's not what you got into the industry for, is it? <laughs> the industry is no, take pictures. <laughs> no, I mean, I do enjoy it, but I just find that, you, you know, it's you're almost like you have to do it every day. I used to feel like I did something maybe once a month to market my business, then mm. maybe once a week. 
now I feel like I'm doing it not even just once a day, but multiple times a day. Yeah. It's um, exhausting. Yeah. 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 Do you feel the same for yours? I do. And that's, you know, in the last year, I've kind of realized that it's better for me mentally and for my business to kind of limit the amount of that I do. So I try not to push it every single day because I think I'd burn out. I mean, yeah. for me, the magazine comes out every two months. So I do a huge push every two months and then mm -hmm. I kind of post the content that isn't promotional. Same with the event. When I started Rock and Roll Bride Live, I did a huge push. I'm sure you're the same with Thrive. A huge mm -hmm. push just when we launched it and a huge push just before and kind of just like let it settle in between. I mm -hmm. think you have to have that time of putting out content that people are just going to organically, virally enjoy and then mix it up with the hard push. Otherwise, it just becomes intense for you and intense for your audience or potential clients yeah. that's kind yeah. of my thinking at the moment anyway I don't know if you feel the same or if you're just yeah, on that yeah. treadmill <laughs> yeah this is it I, I mean I think treadmill <laughs> yes yes oh my God. um yeah I think it's just difficult because it's a balance having, yeah and then having multiple businesses as well you know everyone and a lot of people are in this situation everyone's developing a side hustle mm. um a side hustle to the side hustle. Yeah, yeah. Talk about niching down. Like, yeah. Uh, so I think that's it, also something quite unique to you is that you do have two distinctive elements to your business. So you obviously have wedding photography, but mm -hmm. then you have farm. Yeah. So what is it that made you, like, why did you start farm in the beginning? Like, what was the thought behind it? Um, <laughs> I'd like to say there was thought behind it, but I think with a lot of my career, I've just bumbled into things. <laughs> yeah um, and if it works we'll do more of it and if it fails we'll just pretend it never happened i love that um, that's what i do too yep <laughs> make you know, it look good on the internet yeah i mean that's the business <laughs> strategy like i was thinking about this the other day when you think about how many businesses that richard branson has had that have right. disappeared like do you remember virgin bride yes i do actually yeah. and virgin wines uh, virgin still cola going. Virgin Media. I used to work for Virgin Media. Oh, that's still around. Yeah. No, well, no, no, it wasn't Virgin Media, but V Store. It was like a record store. Yeah. And then it turned into a video game store. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. All these things completely disappeared, but he's doing all right. Yeah. He um, is pretty good. <laughs> See, yeah, the reason I started it was just, it was after that BJP, after I won that big award, because um, I know awards now these days, there's more around, but then there kind of wasn't. And also the British Journal of Photography, you know, it's, it's a big deal, the British Journal of Photography. Yeah. And they'd never given an award to a wedding photographer before. So when they did that award and that, on that first year and I won it, um, it did just bring me a lot of attention, which was lovely. It brought me a lot of opportunities. Mm. Like you and I went to New York and I did a talk there and things like that. You know, it did, it did bring a lot of opportunities. Um, but it also brought me a lot of communication from other wedding photographers or people who were trying to get into wedding photography. And it was kind of getting a bit crazy because I was spending like almost till lunchtime answering the questions in my inbox. Mm. And I started to realize after a little while that they were mostly the same. Um, so it just occurred to me, maybe if I get people in a room and say, well, let's workshop this out, um, would, would people come would be, and would people pay? Um, you know, because I just think if something is kind of presenting itself to you repeatedly in business, then how can, you know, you need to look at if this is taking up my time, how can I make some money out of this? So that was the thought process behind first putting up a workshop. 
and I did the first one here in my house like just yeah we made them lunch and and they hung out in my house and then I realized after doing a couple of them that there was a sort of need that you know they'd still be here at um, dinner time chatting away to each other mm. and I think sort of where I had people like you in my life that we could just talk industry non-stop I realized that some other photographers didn't have that channel yeah, and so I had this need to connect with others and just talk industry all the time. Um, so I realised quite early on that it would be good, a good idea, to put up a workshop that had some sort of residential and more social aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we did Photography Farm. So we did the first one of those back in 2011, and that was at Ridge Farm in Surrey. And you yeah. remember we, you modelled. I, I do. Model. I still remember those pictures. Yeah. Yeah, um, we used to always do a themed kind of style shoot, and uh, it was it was about you were Dorothy, you were my Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, after the rainbow. I tried to think what happened to Dorothy when she went back from Oz back to Kansas, and how dull life would have been. Like, would yeah. she have brought some elements of Oz back with her, and some rainbow little touches to her her dull life? Yeah, um, back there. That was the thinking of that shoot. I loved it. Loved it. I know those photos are still great. Yeah, that was still great. great. Fun. I like just so many good experiences through photography farms. So yeah, that's kind of the start of it all. Yeah, but and, you've adapted. Uh, you've continued to adapt farm as well. So you didn't yeah. keep just plugging away at the res residential farm. You switched it up, and you're still switching it yeah. up with the new format of Thrive, right? Which is the first time you've done it under this name. All right. Yes, so it's an evolution, I would say, of, of the event mm. that we've done in the spring for the last three years, which is Farm Shop. Um, the idea was it was just going to be bigger than a workshop, but smaller than a conference. Um, and I came up with the idea when I came back from uh, way up north. Do you remember? So you spoke at the first way up north, which was oh 2015. Scariest moment of my life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it. I, thought, I mean, obviously I loved it because I just had to sit in the audience. It was very easy for me, but yeah. uh, I did think it was a great um, conference. And when I came home and I got on the plane and came home and I, I wrote a little list down of things that I wanted to do. And one of those was I wanted to scale up farm events um, mm -hmm. from, from smaller workshops. But, I, you know, I, I haven't got the capacity to put on something quite as big as um, Way of North. Um, but I felt there was room for something in between that maybe going to something where there's four or 500 people was too overwhelming for some. Mm. Um, but they liked this idea of getting multiple um, speakers in and people who will teach that come in from all over the world. So they're all bringing in kind of different experiences and they're at different parts in their careers. And, um, you know, maybe people that we really admire on Instagram would it be really nice to actually get them in a room and spend time with them? And then the one thing I felt when I left way up north that could have been added in was to shoot with them. Um, because yeah. I felt, as a photographer, I felt a little bit frustrated that the experience ended and there was no shoot to, to do because you feel really inspired and fired up. So I thought, how about if I add in that we do immediately, so on the next day, you inspire them and fire them up with the first day with inspirational kind of keynote talks. And then people can go out in small groups and shoot. So that was my idea. And yeah, yeah. started in 2016. And uh, I, I just love them. They're always a really incredible week. We, we go on a little mini tour. We start down south 
this time we're in Brighton and then we whiz up on the Wednesday we all do a little group travel up to Glasgow which I love one of my favorite cities and yeah we, we're heading into it now um, we're on the last final hurdle so we're doing things like putting together goodie bags and lanyards and all those fun bits all those fun slash really stressful bits so what can <laughs> people expect from Thrive this year that might have been different from before well I think the first thing was probably mentioned the c word <laughs> <laughs> uh cats yes we are cocktails we, we are, we're, yes we will have cocktails we will for sure <laughs> Um, I think we're going to have be looking at a much more intimate kind of event that we would normally have just the numbers. Um, yeah. It's a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. Um, 2020 um, is putting us through the ringer. Hey. Already, already, isn't it? It's just, it's crazy. It's such a really challenging time and it will continue to be for a long time. And that's across all industry. Yeah. Um, so in our own little particular way, obviously it's having an impact because less people are going to commit to coming to any kind of event at all. Um, yeah. But we're tiny, we're absolutely tiny, and we have lovely big rooms in beautiful hotels that have taken loads and loads of measures to try to combat this thing. And my philosophy on it is, yes, I could sit here and be a big stress head about it all. And I have been, but I have done every year it doesn't yeah. feel any different to me uh funny my face always fires to put out yeah always um my facebook memories came up this morning saying it was me just having finished um the the first one of these and it was like oh i survived running a week-long event with bronchitis and snowmageddon and i'd forgotten snowmageddon <laughs> remember snowmageddon maybe you need to do these events in the summer i mean i know there's lots of weddings to do but <laughs> There'd yeah, be no flu is, virus or snowmageddon. There would still be something. There would be a bloody train. The other one we did, we had train strikes. You know, there always is Heat something. Wave, yeah. You know this now. So I've been the one saying to you for ages, you should do some kind of event, like get, mm. you know, you're following together, do a live in-person event. Um, and so you've just done the first one. And, and this is it. Events are unpredictable. You have to, all you can do is... Um, try to plan for the worst and hope for the best yeah man. Uh, try to do everything that you can and, and to focus in so for me for this my philosophy with this is do you know what the people who are going to come are going to be the people who are really 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 committed and they're really going to want to take value away from this mm. so for instance i thought okay if i was going and i was in this situation that we're all in as businesses right now, that it's very uncertain times. Um, what can we do as a group to start to support that and start to move forward and start to plan ahead? So yeah. I'm actually going to change. So I'm going to do um, a talk on the second day and try to get as many people into it as possible, just about like a business, um, you know, kind of planning for damage limitation and yeah. for, you know, dealing with, unusual and stressful times um so you know just there's, there's things that we can all do um i yeah i feel like and this you probably don't want to hear this yet maybe i should wait till after the event to tell you this but i feel that like everything happens for a reason and i know that's really cheesy but i do yeah. believe in my heart and my soul that whatever happens there's some sort of path or reason for it and i mm -hmm. bet you anything you'll do this event and it'll be absolutely amazing and you'll be like 
you know, the people that came were so committed. We bought, we did this new talk that taught people things that I never would have even to, mm. to think about, to talk about. And it will be amazing. And it might not be what you expected it to be, but mm -hmm. nothing ever is that's amazing. Like everything yeah. you've ever done, everything I've ever done, I feel like has been a continuation of something happening or a bump in the road that's put us in a different direction. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that comes with experience of having done these things and having some faith in yourself and what you're doing. Um, exactly. You know, I could be sitting here with absolutely nobody wanting to come. Uh, easily could be like that. Yeah. And it's not. Um, there's a real buzz and I'm getting messages from people who are coming about how excited they are. You know, I'm, I'm not getting loads and loads of messages from people saying, you need to cancel this or, yeah. Mm. And who knows what the next few days are even going to bring. Like everybody at the minute, we're all just living day to day. Um, and, and just, I'm just concentrating on making it as really luxe and educational and as valuable an experience as possible for mm -hmm. me, for the speakers, for the sponsors, and definitely for the attendees. Because that was one thing I learned with Photography Farm quite early on was having to really plan everything around as if, you know, I try to imagine if I'm an attendee and how it would feel if I was going on my own. Because, you know, the only reason I went to that first way of North was because you invited me and you were going and I went to support you. I would yeah. never have bought a ticket and gone to that on my own. Like, I'm a right yeah, scary right. cat. It's <laughs> scary. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm weird. I suppose, like, most of us are weird introvert extroverts, aren't we? Like, mm. I can stand up at your thing and talk. But I, I would have felt really weird to be there and not have an official role. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just being in the corner, about? like... Yeah. Everybody yeah. look at me, otherwise I feel self-conscious. Hello. What's that even about? What is it? It's so I know weird. what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a couple of go on, sorry. No, so right. I was just gonna say, um, that's that's all I can do with the minute and you know, I'm excited and they're always incredibly good fun. And like you said, it it might I think I think what you said is really ringing true with me because you know, it could just churn out the same old formula year in, year out. And I know what I'm like. If I get bored of something, I don't want to do it. Right. Um, and I've not at this any point been bored with farm. Like I find it as inspiring, uh, you know, as refreshing. Like every single time we bring people together, it, when you bring creatives together in one space, there's the, always this energy and this ongoing effect that happens that bleeds into the rest of your business and keeps you feeling inspired and I think that's why despite all of the challenges that we're currently facing and despite everything going much more online do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. we don't even go to the cinema anymore we just wait for it to come around on Netflix and mm -hmm. all of that you know, whole of life is getting online and soon the only thing that you'll ever leave your house for is a haircut <laughs> <laughs> everything else can be delivered but in those times like there's a special resonance that happens when you gather creative people together in a room you know I've just spoke at a conference in Warsaw um and I I just loved it I got off the plane like absolutely buzzing about my own business and things that I want to change and uh, you know just you cannot in any way recreate that online a hundred percent. And I feel the same. I feel like, you know, with, with rock and roll bride live, like 
it's all very well and good getting likes on Instagram or talking to someone in a Facebook group. But when you actually have another human being in front of you mm -hmm. talking to you about what they do or saying they've been inspired by what you do, it's magic. It cannot be replicated online. And, yeah. you know, on, we have a lot to thank the Internet for, obviously, with our businesses. Yeah. But me personally as well, I want to do more events. I want to do more in-person stuff because I think that's where the real magic mm -hmm. happens. So. Yes. Oh, you're addicted now. <laughs> oh man. I'm all, well, we already booked the date for the next one, but we're going to postpone our launch because of, <laughs> you oh, know, what's yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm doing another one in the autumn. It's going to be brilliant. Well, I'm signed up because yeah, I loved it. Funny, I got a lovely message yesterday from somebody saying that they were at the event, but they missed my talk and she was a wedding planner. And she said, but I've heard so many good things about your content. Um, are you going to put it online so I can share it around with my brides? Oh. So I was like, yes, yes, oh, I am. Amazing. Watch this Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Oh, God, okay. Are you ready? Yes. Um, ready, ready, take a big, deep breath. What is your favorite wedding you've ever shot? Oh, that's like asking me to pick one of my favorite children. People always ask me this question. What's my favorite wedding I've featured? It's very difficult. So I want to turn the tables. Ah, oh, shutters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so hard. <laughs> I, I, I mean, God. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You know, probably have to be one of the ones where I worked with a client that was really properly stressed and anxious about wedding photography and being photographed mm -hmm. and that I managed to turn it around. So it could possibly be Gemma and Guy, who I photographed in the asylum in London. And she mm -hmm. she wore the green sequin dress and she has pink oh, hair. Oh, yes. I remember. Um, and uh, their wedding was super early, like 11 o'clock in the morning. I know it's meant to be quick fire, isn't it? Um, it but is, it's fine. I had turned up at the asylum at 10 o'clock in the morning and they were all full on, all the guests dressed. Like it was like turning up for a rave. Like it was like back in the day where we all met in a car park. Everyone was so dressed up, like really mm -hmm. rave kid style, loads of sequins, loads of really interesting characters. It visually it was just crazy but really the big thing was being able to turn around how Gemma felt about being photographed from it being a huge stress point for her and mm -hmm. properly anxious and, and she was a bride that was dealing with depression um, to that she enjoyed the actual shoot on the day and she loved her photos at the end and that's just hugely fulfilling yeah how could it not be um what's been the proudest moment of your career so far oh easy winning that bjp oh, i was so <laughs> chuffed i still dine yeah. out it now i still <laughs> you gotta milk that shit milk it oh maybe you're a pr agent i will oh, never exactly. ever, ever get over with that i won <laughs> yeah that's amazing what was the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you well i think we sort of spoke about that earlier on that would be the guy who was the um person who told me to get my ass to London and start making contacts and uh, mm -hmm. not worry about getting a degree in photography. <laughs> and if you had to give one piece of advice to an aspiring wedding photographer now, what would it be? Someone just starting out? Oh, God, you're good, this. <laughs> okay. 
one piece of advice. Do you know what I would say? If I was starting out now and mm. everything that's happening, I would get a mentor. Get a mentor. Someone who mm. has made mistakes on your behalf. Uh, <laughs> Someone who can fast track you through all of it because it is so deeply overwhelming. There is so much yeah. that you can do. So much advice out there. Yeah, so much advice out there. So many gurus trying to sell you the bag of magic beans that I would say get yourself someone to filter it all out for you, to see a bigger picture for you, someone who's been there and done that. And to get yourself into some communities so that you have always got support. Our Photography Farm Facebook group right now is a really helpful, useful, common sense support for each other all around this virus and everything mm. that's happening right now. And I'm so proud of them. Um, mm. Nobody's in there scaremongering and losing their minds. They're really supporting each other. Um, so is, so that that, how you'd, is that how you'd recommend they get a mentor by going into your group and finding someone yeah, or yeah yeah I mean there is people around offering being a, a wedding photographer mentor um it's something I keep toying with if I had time um mm. but yeah there is people around offering it so okay. it's, it's a good thing to look out for or just you know what I approach people I'm mentoring somebody else who's um in business not not a wedding photographer specifically so a creative business and uh, just because they approached me and I was like yes I can commit to this we meet up once a month um, I'm really enjoying it and they are massively changing their business and um, seem to be doing That's really awesome. well. So yeah, just approach someone that you admire. Yeah, just reach out to someone you admire and see if they've got space for yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, um, coffee or tea? Always tea. I love the smell of coffee, but I don't like the taste and I don't like how it makes your mouth feel furry afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an Earl Grey tea for you, right? Oh, great tea. Oh, no, I have switched to decaf now. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I I Hashtag health. I know. Hashtag I know. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? You're not even drinking. I never thought this I day would come. Who the fuck <laughs> even am I anymore? Um, Who? Early, I know. <laughs> um, early morning or late at night? Oh, early morning. I like to get my Jimmy Jams and go to bed early. So, But I also happily get up super early. I love working when the world is asleep. I love like mm. you get ahead in the day. Yeah. Um, I love that you email somebody back at six o'clock in the morning and they don't immediately ping back with another communication. That I have to <laughs> yeah. do. So I'm definitely, a, I'm a morning, I'm an annoyingly like bouncy morning person. Yeah. Um, dressed up or dressed down? Dress up. Come on. In these trying times, <laughs> we need some escapism. We need some fantasy. You need to dress. I'll tell you, the, the best thing that happened to me recently was my mum buying me that pink suit that I wore. Oh, yeah. Your, because I put that pink suit on and I feel like an utter boss. Amazing. Uh, that and tapping. That, the two things recently that have changed my life. Really? You're doing tapping as well? Oh my God, it's taken over the world. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I need to get into this. My best yes. friend is all about it and I'm just like, meh. <laughs> exactly. Well, this was, I think I gave in after, I mean, I was just, because I do get anxious. I get anxious before I have to do a public talk. Like, that's not my comfort mm. zone at all. Um, and uh, I, I think it was just coincidental. I was stressing about something and on my Instagram, Gala came up doing a little video about how to tap. And I was just like, right, girl, 
I've heard this so many times. Show me what you got. I'm going to give it a go. And it did make me oh, feel better. That's and amazing. it really helped with some... my talks as well. Oh, yeah. we should do some before our shoot tomorrow. Yes. Not that we'll be see. feeling anxious, but. Yeah, yeah, let's do it with a group. We'll do it as the whole group. We'll get everyone into doing it. Yeah, because you we can just feel... then do it every day. We should film it and send it to Gala. She would die of happiness. <laughs> um, heels or trainers? Oh, trainers. Trainers. All the way. Instagram or Facebook? Oh, I probably prefer... Oh, God. Again. <laughs> probably Instagram. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I just get so distracted and I start like I I'm in so many groups and I start looking at things like, why am I actually wasting some of my sweet and precious life reading this? I think Facebook, <laughs> you have to limit your exposure. I mean, to all of them, but especially Facebook groups because there's so much content. Yeah. Um, cats or dogs? Oh, see, I've got, I'm not a dog person, but I do love Gilbert. He's my dog. Who doesn't love Gilbert? Got, yeah, but he's, a, he's an exception. He's so lovely. And we've got two cats. And then Helen, who's just started working for me, brings her chihuahua to work. <gasps> oh, my God. A chihuahua called Miley, who is <laughs> the cutest thing you've Aww. ever seen. And Gilbert doesn't Aww. like dogs. He doesn't like dogs at all. But no. He likes, likes Miley. <laughs> oh, he's, in, he's um, been accepted into the fold then. Yes. Um, London or LA? London. I love LA and I love going, but it's just too hot, too much driving. <laughs> it's too hard to do anything. I, I big, love it, yeah. but I love to leave it. Yeah. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Um, definitely both of those. An introverted extrovert? Algebraed, yeah. introverted. Yeah. Um, starter or dessert? Oh, starter. I'll just skip both of those and have wine. Yeah. <laughs> and the final question that I have for you, Lisa Devlin, is what is your favourite wedding magazine? Oh, uh, Rock and Roll Bride magazine. Correct. Yes, I get a prize. <laughs> well, that's all I had to ask you. I feel like we've rambled on for like fucking ages. Yeah, well, they're, they're always about an hour and a half, so I think we're there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, that was really, that was good. You're good. You're good. Should I start a podcast? Wow. See, I said you to do a show. You did a show. I think if you did a podcast, like, if this is your level of questioning, then, you know, that's like, you've got game. So I would I'm listen. Bit... I don't even listen to podcasts. But I <laughs> It is on my it is on my mental very very long to do list to do one. So we'll see how this people like this. Well, yeah, do, were you doing one with Gala the other day? For her, yeah. So she's got a membership called the Vortex, and we did a couple of interviews that will be going in there in a few oh, weeks. God. It was super fun. We did one about uh, business shit collaboration, actually, and then mm -hmm. we did another one that was just a silly game of us asking each other questions, which was quite enlightening. Oh, yeah. I've only done them around our spring event because my idea was that you would get to know a bit more about the speakers without them having to spend the first 15 minutes on stage going on and on about their journey. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of toying with maybe extending the series. Um, especially, um, I got to thinking because Terry for the magazine asked me to do something special around the next edition because it's um, wedding photography special 
and I said, you know, what would be really nice is to write about wedding, people I could think of as wedding photography legends, um, who've made an impact and changed the industry somehow or yeah. had a personal impact on me. And then, um, so he's reached out and uh, approached about 20 photographers. And I thought, I wonder, I would be really fascinated to interview all of them as well. Yeah, it'd be so fun. Podcasts are so fun and so easy. Like I resisted it for such a long time because I was like, everyone's got a podcast. But now I'm like, I love podcasts. I just started listening to um, My Favourite Murder. Have you listened Ah. to it? Oh my God, it's so good. If you're into true crime and you like like reading Wikipedia pages of serial killers, which I do, (laughs) it's amazing. I'm so into it. I need to probably expand my repartee so that that's not the only shit I'm listening to, but it's so great. Okay. All right. I might (laughs) give it a go. I might give it a go. Yeah. I just, I'm terrible. I I have a lot of silence (laughs) because I just have such a noisy life. That's true. That's true. Well, I was mostly listening to it on the plane and, um, you know, going to the airport and when I'm doing emails, when I don't need to really use my brain, it's good. Okay, I will check it out and I'm looking forward to listening to this one back. Me too. Well, thank you for having me to have you. Okay, yes. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's been fun and I hope everyone enjoys listening to it. Yay. Oh, thank you so much. This has been really good fun. I'm very impressed by your interviewing technique. Oh, well, I made it up as I went along. So I'm clearly a natural. (laughs) Exactly. All the best things are like that. Yeah. Well, I will see you tomorrow because we are shooting. Oh, yes. I've sent you the call sheet. So I'll see you at 10. Perfect. I will see you then. Bye. Bye.